Great. Okay. Jared. Hey, you know what? You're so blessed to have Jared leading worship in this church. Jared and Emily, we've known Jared and Emily for years, and they're just a massive blessing. Jared, I love the songs that you chose this morning. I find it really easy to worship at Grantham, and I love it. And it was really good to sing that last song. That was kind of a bit of a refrain that came out of the Welsh Revival, wasn't it? And um, about fixing your eyes on Jesus. And it made me giggle because I sing that song every single night to my two-year-old who always insists when I put him to bed that I have to sing two songs, House of the Lord, and then he asks for grace. He calls that song Grace. And I definitely need grace when I sing that song because... When it's getting to the end of the day and it's past seven o'clock and I just need him to go to bed, I find myself really rushing the song. So I'm like, okay, set your eyes on Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, sings a verse, I'll go, amen. And I just like really rush through the song. So it's actually really nice just to kind of quietly uh, contemplate that song and the beautiful words of it this morning. And I'm going to try better tonight when I put my youngest to bed to not rush it and feel resentful at singing it because I want to go downstairs and have my dinner. But anyway, okay, so it's great to be with you. Uh, Glorious Grantham. I love that you said that. I just felt something in my spirit kind of click when Jonah said Glorious Grantham because I believe Grantham is glorious and I believe God has a real heart and a plan for Grantham. I believe that if you're here, you've been placed here on purpose, that you are designed and destined to be here. There's something of your destiny and the plan that God has for you um, meeting together as you are placed in Grantham. So you're not here by by accident. You are here on purpose. It's God's design for you. And um, I just bless you in as, as being part of the town of Grantham and part of Alive Grantham. What a great church, um, great leadership, and just a real honor to be here. Okay, so we're continuing our Romans 8 series. I'm sorry, I've got to the part in my life where I'm going to have to get my glasses. I forgot about that. They're just down here, don't worry. I'll do the roving mic thing. But um, yeah, I've I've reached that season of life where I can't really read my notes without having my glasses. Has anyone had one of those moments before when they go to the optician and they get given an appropriate prescription and suddenly life looks really different? Because you can actually see stuff. I had that. I had that a couple of weeks ago when I got my glasses and I thought there's a sermon in there somewhere. But um, we won't do that today. So we're looking at Romans 8 and I'm going to get straight into the word, uh, the word of God And uh, we know that when we speak the word of God, it never returns back void to us. It always does what God accomplishes um, it to do. So even if I finish my sermon after reading this verse, God will have done something in our hearts because the word of God is that powerful. So I'm going to be preaching from Romans 8. If you've got a Bible, I'd love you to turn there. Um, If you've got an electronic Bible on your phone... Uh, you can do that too. Just don't um, segue to Instagram or Facebook. Keep your head in the Word. So I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to also read it from the message paraphrase as well, because that just helps me to get a broader understanding of what's being said through the Word. So we, here we are in Romans 8, verse 5, and it says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. So when we live according to our flesh, we're always at the mercy of what our flesh desires. But, and this is a great but, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Amen to that. Who wants to welcome and usher life and peace into their life? I do. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. 
nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Okay, let me just read from the message paraphrase as well. This just helps me get a broad understanding. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get round to exercising it in real life. I love what Jonas said. Jonas is a man who's had a revelation of the goodness of God. Who knows how freeing it is when we get a revelation that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That is such a freeing revelation that will absolutely change the way that we relate to God, the way that we relate to our ourselves a way that we relate to other people when we realize that we're not condemned when we're in Jesus Christ there is no condemnation for us it changes everything that's why we sing that's why we praise that's why we call it good news it's good news okay those who trust in God's action in them find God's spirit is in them living and breathing God obsession with self in these matters is a dead end attention to God leads us out into the open into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God. God, and they end up thinking more about themselves than God. And God is not pleased at being ignored. God is not pleased at being ignored, but also those who, NIV, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. I don't know about you, but I, I want to please God. Not because I need to earn his love. I already have it. We already have it. We don't need to earn anything. Not because I'm trying to hustle for his grace or I'm trying to earn it or I'm trying to do kind of scrabble my way up the ladder to hustle for grace. That grace is free. It's undeserved, it's unmerited favor that we receive by faith. I spoke about this last week at, um, at a Highcombe location. Grace, when you're on the outside looking in, of gra- in on grace, it looks desperately unfair. We can get very religious on the outside looking in, but when we need it and we're, we're a recipient of grace, it, there, could, there is nothing better. That undeserved, unmerited favor, we receive it by grace. But I do want to please God because I love him. And I want to please God because he loves me. I don't do it in order that he will love me. I already have his love. It's because he loves me that I want to please him. This is the connection I have with God. I want to please him because of the connection between me and him is precious to me. When I sin, I disconnect. That gets disconnected. I don't live well and I get caught in this cycle that I need God and his grace to come and pull me out of. So thank God, as Jonas said last week, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. When we feel condemned, we really cannot enjoy that sense of intimacy. We just can't. It's like Adam in the garden. When Adam was in the garden, he sinned, he felt shame. So what did he do? He he hid. He went and hid. That's what we do when we feel a sense of condemnation. It's our broken human nature. When we feel condemned or ashamed, we go and hide. Feeling condemnation doesn't push us into that connection with God that he desires for us. It takes us off and we go and hide. And that's not God's plan for us. It's like I was thinking of an analogy that I could use. I love to take the word of God and think, okay, how can I really apply this beautiful, timeless, God-breathed book to my 
my everyday ordinary life and use examples that I really understand. So often I use examples around food. I think last time I came to speak, I talked about my Jaffa cake theology. I have a whole theology around Jaffa cakes, but I'll talk to you about that another time if you would like. But this is my thinking. It's like, you know, when you are, you might be on a diet, you might be trying to eat well. And um, it's when you've kind of done well Monday, you've done well Tuesday, Wednesday morning you mess up. So there's no point kind of getting back on the wagon on Wednesday. You might as well really mess up for the rest of the day. And then who starts a diet on a Thursday? So you might as well really go for it on Thursday, Friday, get a takeaway on Saturday and start again on Monday. Well, it's a bit like that, isn't it? It's that when we feel like we've blown it, we kind of just really blow it. We're like, okay, well, we might as well go the whole hog. I often use this example If I know I'm starting to eat healthily on Monday, then I feel I have a duty, a God-given obligation to get all the chocolate out of the house on Sunday. So I'm going to really blow it. I'm going to really go for it in order that I can start well on Monday. That's kind of what it gets like when we feel like we're condemned. We're like, oh, well, we've blown it anyway. You know, we've blown it anyway. And that that isn't God's plan for us. You know, the law, and we talked about this last week, ended up just being a plaster on sin, on this complete cycle that we go through. It was just a sticking plaster. It never dealt with it once and for all. We needed a deep healing from it. We needed to live in a new address. We needed a different place of residency. Otherwise, we're constantly at the mercy of our flesh. We're in this cycle. But not only has God dealt with sin once and for all in the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross... He has given us his spirit so that we can live differently in the here and now. We're no longer at the hands of sin. We're no longer at the mercy of our own flesh. We're no longer condemned by God. We are free people who are not under condemnation. We are under grace. And he didn't just give us Jesus. He gave us the Holy Spirit so we could live differently here and now. Do you know what? If you want to feel better about yourself, we'll look at the Apostle Paul. I start again, I um, mentioned this last week in my message, and it just made me feel better because even Paul can't do it on his own. He had a real revelation of who Jesus was, an absolute kind of lightning moment on the road to Damascus, and he was changed forever. But even so, he couldn't do it by himself. It's, he talks about this in the um, chapter before the chapter that we're looking at, In Romans 7, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. I am sold as a slave to sin. Now, who can relate to this? I do not understand what I do. Like having a dilemma, a head on the, a hand on the head moment. I don't understand why I do it. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, I do. This dilemma that Paul's in, we understand it. Something had to come and smash it once and for all. And something had to come alongside us in order for us to be able to live differently. And he says this, and I just get it. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. He's like, I'm really trying. I really try. I know what I need to do. I know what's the right thing to do. I've had a revelation of who Jesus is. Maybe that's like us. I go to church every Sunday. I go to a connect group. I read the word. I know what I'm meant to do, but I just really struggle to do it. I just find it really hard. 
But God says, don't worry, I've dealt with sin and death forever, but also I've given the Holy Spirit. So you don't have to live according to your flesh. You don't have to be governed by the flesh. You can be governed by the Spirit. And we're going to unpack how that makes our life look completely different. But God bless Paul for his vulnerability. That makes me feel better. That makes me think, okay, he, I, I understand that cycle. I know what I should do, but I don't do it. I'm in this struggle, in this battle. And then I remember what this goes on to say about living according to the Spirit, that we can live in accordance to the Spirit. We don't have to be a slave to our flesh. Something has changed. We fully changed address. We don't live here anymore. We live in a different realm. When we know who Jesus is, when we accept him into our life, when we welcome and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we move from here, this dead-end road where we're constantly going round and round, and we're completely bound by our own flesh to here, life in the Spirit, where where everything's different and we have a helper and we can live our lives differently. So let's just unpack that a little bit because we can earth it in our very ordinary lives. You know, you can be a Christian. You can come to church every week. You can do all the stuff that you're meant to do, but you can still live according to your flesh. You can be a fleshly Christian. That isn't God's plan for us. Now, that doesn't mean that you're governed by your flesh because God smashed that. God's changed that. But you can still listen to it. So some examples. An example, a fleshly Christian. I, is the, fle- the fleshly Christian is someone who's in Asda. And the machine that you use is repeatedly telling you that there's an unexpected item in the bagging area when there is no unexpected item in the bagging area. A fleshly Christian gets angry and sweary and might shout at somebody. A Christian who's living according to the Spirit would allow the Spirit to work in them. And then we see the fruits of the Spirit of gentleness, of patience, of kindness. This stuff isn't kind of, kind of this ethereal stuff out there. It's rooted in our everyday, ordinary lives. A fleshly Christian might have, this, this example might be from my own personal life. I'll let you decide. A fleshly Christian might have, when they recently had a baby and were in Marks and Spencers and somebody was walking really slowly in front of them, a fleshly Christian might have just given them a bit of ram on the ankles with the buggy. A Christian who was living, my baby needed feeding, you know, I was like, come on. Like, anyway, anyway, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, thank God. But an, a Christian who, was, um, who had their mind set on the things of the Spirit would have practiced self-control patience, kindness. These things root itself in our everyday lives. There could be bigger examples. It could be a colleague spreads a rumor about you at work that's not true. You decide to be governed by your flesh and do what the world justifies is okay, actually. Often the world justifies it's okay for you to take revenge, to be angry. The world says it's kind of okay to do those things, but that's not the life that God's planned for us. Maybe it's that somebody hurts us. Do we respond out of our fleshly nature where we want to get one back at them? We want to hurt them first so they can't hurt us again? Or do we allow the spirit to be working in us? Maybe you're married and you're attracted to somebody else. You know, the world kind of gives us permission to do all kinds of things nowadays, but the Spirit of God tells us to live in a different way. So it's very earthed in our ordinary life. And Paul goes on to talk about this in Romans 12. Again, it's a message translation where he says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, 
you're eating, you're going to work and walking around Marks and Spencer's life and place it before God as an offering. This isn't, like I said, it's not out there. It's not something that we can't grasp. This is God saying, I want to breathe my spirit over you. You have my spirit so you can live your life differently. You don't need to be at the mercy of your flesh, of what you always want to do. There's a different way for you to live. So we're going to unpack this a little bit. And we've got three points that I think will come up on the PowerPoint um, this morning. doesn't matter if it doesn't because I'll talk you through them. So the three points are we're going to look at how we can choose to fill our minds with the spirit word with the Spirit's words. So choose to fill our minds with the spirit, Spirit's words. The second one, continue to ask for the Spirit's help. And the third one is to practice the presence of the Spirit daily. So just for the next 10 minutes, we're just going to unpack how can we be people of the Spirit? How can we be people who aren't governed by our flesh, but we can walk out the practice of being governed by our spirit because God's nailed it for us. God's done the stuff for us, but we need to step into it as well. It kind of demands a response to us, a response from us. Okay, so the first one is um, that we choose to fill our mind with the spirit's words. I'm a really big fan of learning how to think. We learn, we get taught all kinds of things. We get taught how to walk, how to read, how to write. But very rarely somebody teaches us how to think properly. And there's all kinds of things that go on in our minds. There's all kinds of things that we entertain in our brains. So we need to think, not according to our way of thinking, but we need to think in accordance to the Spirit's words. We need to think in accordance to the Word of God. When our thoughts don't align with what the Word of God says with us, we find we end up believing lies. Anything that we believe about ourselves or we believe about our situation that does not line up with the Word of God is a lie. We need to learn to align our thoughts with the truth of God. We need to learn to shape our thoughts according to Scripture. When we shape our thoughts according to Scripture, and again, this isn't some kind of like holier-than-thou out there thing to do. This is everyday living. So my husband and I have recently um, gone through a bit of a tricky time with regards to our finances. We've ended up... um, Having, we've ended up being sued actually because with, uh, with regards to some bouncy castle stuff. And but it's okay because what I'm learning to do is to shape my response to that um, according to God's word. So when the letters come through from the solicitors, I can say, well, I know that God's word says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I know that God says God's word says in order for me to be to avoid anxiousness in Philippians, it talks about this. In order for me to avoid being anxious, I'm going to start thanksgiving. So that's what I'm going to do. Now, that's my situation. You've all got your own stuff. We've all got our own stuff. We can't allow anything to go on in our mind. We've got to form our response in accordance with the word of God. And Paul, again, there's so much gold in this book. He continues to talk about this in Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What do we renew our mind according to? According to his word. That verse goes on to say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then it goes on to say, and then you will know God's perfect, pleasing will for you. If you want to know what God's will is for you, it actually starts in your mind and how you think. You need to renew your mind. It's incredibly powerful. 2 Corinthians 10.5 talks about us taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. 
You know, just because we think something doesn't mean we have to think on it. Just because something enters our head, all kinds of things enter our head, all kinds of temptations, all kinds of negativity, all kinds of lies, they enter our head. But just because they enter our head doesn't mean we have to think about them. That often takes us down the wrong road. What happens is a thought comes into our head and we begin to take it and make it submit and be obedient to, obedient to Jesus Christ, obedient to the word of God. We cannot allow any old rubbish in our minds. We just can't do it. We'll be really unhelpful for the kingdom of God if we allow that stuff. That's when we really end up going down a negative road. Some people just are really good at that. My husband's great. He's totally black and white. He's really positive. That's genuinely who he is. He doesn't do it. I really struggle. I struggle to manage what goes on in my head. I don't know whether I'm a slightly, I'm a, I'm a thinker. I'm definitely a real thinker. I'm probably like slightly towards a slightly melancholic personality. I have to really manage. That's been a real work for me over 15 years is being able to take the things that come into my head and make them obedient to Christ. Do you know, your body, actually, I love how neuroscience, I'm really into neuroscience and finding out how our mind works. I love how science is catching up with scripture. I love it. Science is beginning to catch up with what scripture has said all along, that we can renew our minds, that, are, that as a man think, so he is. When we think something, we become it. And it's suddenly become this new, really kind of big theory, um, neuroplasticity, which means that you can change your, the way your brain is wired and stuff. It's become this kind of new, amazing theory over the last 30 years, but I'm like, it's here. <laughs> it, it ain't no new theory. It's been there the whole time, you know. This is the word of God. But when we have negative thoughts, our body treats negative thoughts in the same way it treats a disease. So when we entertain negative thoughts, the same process that our body would go through to fight a disease is what happens. If you're allowing every thought, every negative thought, every lie that doesn't align with God's truth, you're not going to be well in your body, in your spirit, and in your soul. God desires wellness for you. He desires wholeness for you. He's bought it for you. It's yours. But you need to enter into the process, and that starts with thinking the, the thoughts of the spirits, of the spirit. Another thing that I love, I absolutely love um, Philippi, the book of Philippians and um, the bit here where it talks about, um, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Do you know what scientists are discovering now? That you cannot be thankful and anxious at the same time. They're in two different parts of your brain. They don't work at the same time. If you're practicing thankfulness, gratitude, your mind cannot go to an anxious place. Wow, what an amazing theory that was discovered thousands of years ago, and we read about it in the Word of God. Remember that. We can't be thankful. We can't be anxious at the same time. Next time you start to begin to feel anxious and you start to feel governed by your flesh, Fix your eyes on the spirit and be thankful. Something happens in a cellular, at a cellular level in your brain that then begins to affect your spirit. Isn't it amazing how, what, what, how God has created us to be? Okay, so we see that the spirit communicates through scripture. The spirit works in union with the word, so we need to read 
the Word. Maybe you're not a real reader. Maybe you don't love to read. Listen to the Word. Just get the Word of God into you. Allow it to shape your thoughts. Shape your thoughts in accordance with the Spirit. Choose to fill your mind with the Spirit's words. So that's the first one. Okay, the second one is continue to ask for the Spirit's help. We need the Holy Spirit's help. We desperately need it. I desperately need it. And the God, the Spirit, is more than enough for us. We can't set our minds on the things of the Spirit all by ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. We need the Holy Spirit to help us not to be caught in fleshly things, but to be fixed on the things of the Spirit so we're governed by the Spirit. We need to constantly ask for the Spirit's help. And God spoke to me about this a while ago, about comfort. He reminded me that the Holy Spirit was sent to be our comforter, to comfort us. And God began to speak to me about what happens when we comfort ourselves. Humans are not designed to comfort themselves. When we comfort ourselves, we inevitably do it with all the wrong things. Mine's Jaffa cakes and all that kind of stuff. Yours, we've all got our own stuff. It might be something else. My Jaffa cake theology is simply this. When I find myself just eating my way through one packet of Jaffa cakes, maybe two, don't judge me. (laughs) There's no condemnation. Um, Maybe three, who knows? Anyway, um, when I find myself in that place, I know it's because I've forgotten who I am. I've forgotten who I am. I've got myself, I've I've started to be dictated to by my fleshly desires. We've all got our own stuff. You might have your own stuff. It might be drinking too much, spending too much, watching the wrong stuff. When we begin to comfort ourselves, we, we don't do it with the right stuff. We're not designed to do it. It leads us to sin. This is what I believe God was kind of showing to me through the word. Don't comfort yourself, Joe, because it leads you to sin. Don't comfort yourself. Don't try and sort it out yourself. You've been given a comforter. So when we need to be comforted, we don't look to ourselves to fill that comfort. We look to the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul's saying here. Don't be dictated to by your flesh. Don't do it yourself. It doesn't work. You need to be dictated and governed by the Spirit. Then your life, then you will do the John 10, 10 stuff. You know, you'll live your life to the full. You'll be free. You'll be free of all that stuff, you know, that that weighty stuff, um, the mess, the sin, the brokenness that we get so easily ensnared by, the sin that so easily entangles, as it talks about in Hebrew. So we're not designed to comfort ourselves. We need to ask for the Holy Spirit. I remember when I first became a Christian, this was like a real new revelation for me. I didn't know that you could ask the Holy Spirit to help you. I didn't know it was a thing. So I was like really probably annoying to God. No, I wouldn't be because he'd love it. I'm sure he would. But I was like, Holy Spirit, can you tell me where my car keys? Holy Spirit, which way shall I take to work? Holy Spirit, shall I buy these socks? Holy Spirit, shall I watch this TV program? Like that that I was asking all the time because I didn't know. It was new, a new revelation for me that I could ask the Holy Spirit to come and help me. It might be for you this morning. Maybe that's a revelation that you can ask the Holy Spirit to come and help you live your everyday, ordinary life. It might be that it's new territory for you. Some of us might have taken your eyes off Jesus and become you've taken your eyes off fixing, being governed by the Holy Spirit, and we've fixed our eyes on ourselves. The message version talks about it. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's Spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. It is attention to God that leads us out into the open. Do you know the beautiful, this is so much profound truth in this, but you know there's so much beautiful simplicity. What do we have to do to live life according to the Spirit? We need to fix our eyes on the Spirit. It's beautiful. 
It's simple, it's life-changing, it's deep, it's profound, it's poetic, it's prophetic, it's amazing, but it's beautifully simple. What do we do? Stop looking at ourselves, look at God. Simple as that. That's what it is. When we keep our eyes on ourselves, that's when we miss the point. He's saying, I love that phrase Jonas used earlier, lift your chin. The scripture talks about him as being the lifter of our head. You got yourself caught in sin again. You're down that dead end road. You realize that you've been determined, dictated to by your flesh. Okay, lift your chin, fix your eyes on the spirit. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Go again. Isn't that so freeing? Isn't that so freeing that we're not caught up? We don't have to pay a penance. We don't have to wait till we've got it all sorted before we can go off again. And I love this. It says, don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing you can do is giving it a decent burial and get on with your new life. Okay, you've messed up. Give that way of life a decent burial. Get on with it. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. How good's that? How exciting is that? You messed up, bury it, move on. God's got adventure for you. You might have been in that cycle for 20, 30, 40 years. Okay, draw a line under it. All you have to do is repent, fix your eyes on the spirit, tell yourself that you will be governed by the spirit, listen and think according to the words of the spirit and ask for the spirit's help and go on your holy adventure. I love it. So freeing. So freeing. Maybe for some of us, I think sometimes we get knocked in life a little bit and we just need a reminder to take our eyes off ourselves and onto God. Sometimes we go into survival mode. I know for, I personally, I know having two young little boys, leadership, all that kind of stuff, I've realized, and God's helped me unpack this, I've gone into survival mode somewhere along the line. I fixed my eyes on myself. I've tried to kind of hustle, do it myself, make my plans, know what I need to do. And God's just in the, been in the process of lifting my chin. And it might be this morning that something's knocked you off course a little bit. Somewhere along the line, you've fixed your eyes on yourself and you just need to lift your chin and fix your eyes on the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to allow 30 seconds. I think it's great to just do this stuff. We're in the middle of talking. We've got a couple of minutes until I'm going to officially finish. But I'm just going to ask you, has there been something in your life? Have you began to fix your eyes on yourself? And God just needs to gently take your face just gently in his hands and remind you where to look. I'm just going to ask you, Holy Spirit, just to come and speak to us. Thank you, God, that you're with us. Thank you that you remind us of things. Thank you um, that you're always drawing us to yourself. And I pray for my friends here. I pray for us as we um, just take a stand in the natural, in the supernatural to say, we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're going to become governed by the Holy Spirit. We're going to entertain the things of the Spirit, and we're going to invite you to help us. Come and help us, Spirit, I pray. Maybe just say sorry to God for how you've got caught up in your own way of thinking, and just ask him to redirect your gaze. We need to remember we can ask for the Holy Spirit's help. We're not in it alone. We're not covered in shame where the world has spoken shame on you. God comes and with his spirit clears the air. Shame off you. Shame off you. There's no condemnation. The enemy would love to sow a lie that would cut you off from the vital life source that is the Holy Spirit. 
So today, God, we refuse to entertain those lies. We align ourselves with the truth of your word, and we invite your Holy Spirit to come and help us, not just now, but tomorrow and every day thereon. May we be people who are governed by the Holy Spirit and who look to you for help. Amen. You know, you can continue to ask for the Holy Spirit's help in your week. You can continue to ask for it. And that's our final point, is that we practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. This means tuning in. Being aware, taking time to pause and breathe, to not get so hustled and rushed and always caught up in our own way of doing things. That's the way of the flesh. But we practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. So Brother Lawrence wrote about this in his famous book, The Practice Practice of the Presence of God. And he was a very humble, ordinary man. He learned to bask in God's presence moment by moment, day by day, even in the most menial tasks. So whatever season of life you're in, whatever you're doing, you don't need to wait um, wait till this season's passed or this stage has passed in order then to bask and practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. We can do it in whatever season we're in, whether we're scrubbing the kids' school shoes, whether we're getting the car sorted, whether we're going to work, we're looking after the grandchildren, whatever season of life we're in, we can tune in and practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. We just tune in. We become aware of the Holy Spirit's presence amongst us. And I love this. I'll finish with this verse from Isaiah. Isaiah 30, 21 says this, and this is just my prayer for us as we do those three things, as we align our thoughts with the, with the Spirit's thoughts, as we um, welcome the Holy Spirit to come and help us do our everyday, ordinary life, and as we practice the presence. I pray this for us. Isaiah thirty twenty one. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. You know, we can be people. We don't have to be governed by our flesh. We know that Jesus has dealt with sin once and for all. But um, there's, there's more. There's kind of not more. You know, that's enough for all of us. But he's given the spirit that we can live our lives differently. Our marriages can be different. Our relationships with our parents, our children, our friends can be different. The way we do our shopping can be different. The way we, the way we drive around, it can be different because we've moved a dress from being dictated to by the spirit, governed, sorry, governed by the flesh to people who are governed by the spirit. So I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for us just to be really sensitive and open to the Holy Spirit. And then I'll um, hand back to Jonas. I want to pray for those of us who want to welcome the Holy Spirit into our life, um, maybe for the first time. This is news for us. This is good news for us. Those of us who just need to realign our gaze. God, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the truth of who you are. Thank you that we can fill our minds with your truth, that we don't have to fill our minds with lies or rubbish or half-truths, that we have the whole truth and nothing but the truth that is written in your word. Thank you that your Holy Spirit comes to enlighten us and to show us that truth, to remind us of it, to help us to live by it. And God, I pray for myself and my friends. May we be people of the Spirit. May we be people who know what it is to be governed by the Holy Spirit. May we think your truths. May we welcome you into our lives. May we hear your words behind us saying, this is the way to go. In the small, everyday things of life and in the big decisions to make. Holy Spirit, may we practice your presence. Tune into you. Hear what you're saying to us. Listen to what you're saying to us. 
Open our ears in the natural and in the supernatural to hear your words. May we be spirit people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.